1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 95 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Countdown next Friday is going to be Christmas Eve, and it's time to stop and think in the middle of all of our holiday and Christmas shopping hustle and bustle, step back, take a deep breath, and be grateful for everything that you have and thankful for those loved ones who surround you. Each year, my husband and I put in our application with the hopes of being drawn for one of the amazing hunting opportunities somewhere across the state of Texas. Texas is about 98% privately owned. If you do not own property, own land in the form of ranches or farms, or if you are not on a private lease agreement to allow yourself to go hunting, there are other options that do exist across Texas. One of those is through public hunting opportunities and through drawing systems. So I have been putting in for these applications as long as I've been in Texas, which is about 24 years. John has been putting in for these applications for over 30 years. And there are opportunities scattered from larger cities to all the way across to far west Texas, to the northern panhandle, and to the southern valley. If you're willing to travel and willing to drive and willing to take the time to do so, great opportunities do exist with some amazing adventures and chances to take some great species here in the Lone Star State. So all of these years, John and I have been applying, and we don't just do one application. We apply for pretty much every single opportunity that we can with the hopes of being selected to go on one of these drawing hunts. 
all of these years, I've never been drawn. All of these years, John has never been drawn. We've talked to many people that tell us that they put in every year and they're drawn multiple times for multiple hunts. I've talked to other people that are unfortunately in the same boat that we are. We've never been drawn, but it's not going to discourage us from trying. So each year we're going to continue to put in our application, send the state our money and apply for these hunts. They also have opportunities for youth drawings. Several places allow youth hunting opportunities, and usually these hunting opportunities might be the weekend before the adult hunting opportunities are happening. The state's pretty good about wanting to give the youth a first crack at having those opportunities on a great hunt. So when my oldest turned nine, which is the youngest age that we can start applying for youth hunts, When he turned nine, almost 11 years ago, we started applying all over the place for him to be drawn for a hunt. Nothing. As a youth, Dominic was never drawn to go on one of these Texas public drawings. Next up was Matthew. When he turned nine, almost 10 years ago, we started applying for him to be drawn for these youth hunts. Over and over, statewide, multiple times, nothing. Matthew has never been drawn for a Texas drawing hunt as a youth. Next up was John John. When he turned nine, six years ago, again, we started putting in for John John to be drawn for these public drawing hunts. Over and over, statewide, applications galore, Nothing. John John has never been drawn yet for a youth Texas drawing hunt. He does have a few more years to put his name in the hat, though. Finally, my youngest, Luke, when he turned nine just three years ago, we started putting in drawings for him. Well, I almost couldn't believe it when I got the email recently that Luke had been drawn to go on one of these drawing youth hunts. I actually thought it was a spam email when I first saw it, but lo and behold, there it was, the permit for Luke to go on a youth drawing hunt. And fortunately, I was the lucky one that was also chosen on the application to accompany him. It's only one youth and one adult. The hunt location was approximately six hours from Houston, located in the Texas Hill Country, and it was in December. So my initial knee-jerk reaction, of course, was how are we going to fit one more thing into our calendars? How are we going to squeeze one more activity, especially a hunt? And those of you out there listening who are hunters, you know what it takes to prepare and to go on a hunt. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of gear. And it's a lot of preparation. My schedule right now is absolutely ridiculous. I work full time. I do a lot of stuff in my off time, including podcasting. I teach a lot of classes in my off time. I go on a lot of campouts through scouting in my off time. I started a venture scout hunting crew, and I'm very active in that in my off time. 
And then there's all the extracurricular activities that the kids are involved with, ranging from football. Well, football is now over, but the boys are still active and training during their off season to be bigger, better, and stronger for next football season. So there's that. Then baseball season's coming up. And then we have church activities. The boys are in confirmation preparation classes and catechism. And then we have scout meetings and scout activities. And then we also have concerts for choir in the evening and other activities that are going on in the school programs. So my thought, of course, selfishly, was how am I going to fit one more thing into my calendar? Fortunately, After a good night's sleep and waking up and realizing the opportunity that this is, I couldn't be more excited. So Luke and I began our preparations and we did all of our packing. I sent in a note to his school where I was pulling him from school on that Friday and we were off. We decided to do a big road trip, just he and I going on his very first ever Rayo family drawn youth hunt. We took off that morning and we headed west and it was actually amazing. I took off time from work and I left all the stress of that behind. And all I focused on was the very valuable, precious and not enough time I get to spend with my youngest. It was a great road trip. He actually stayed off his phone. Um, We had lots of deep conversations about, you know, life of a sixth grader and all the preteen drama that goes on and accompanies the life of a sixth grader. So learned a lot about, you know, life in that world right now. But uh, we had a great road trip. We stopped at Bucky's, and those of y'all that live in Texas or in the South and know what Bucky's is, you know exactly what I mean. Um, you cannot go on a road trip without stopping at Bucky's. Luke was absolutely over the moon excited, knowing that he could get anything he wanted at Bucky's. I think we probably spent about an hour in there as he walked around wide-eyed, looking at all the choices of food and drink and snacks and gifts and trinkets and everything else that goes along with it. But I told him, I said, this is our weekend. You get whatever you want. So he was real excited on his purchases and off we go to continue the rest of our journey. We get to our location, which is at one of our state parks here in Texas. And this particular park hosts hunts each year, and the park completely closes down to all public for safety reasons while hunters are going to be on property that weekend. So Luke and I arrived at the park. We got all checked in, and we're talking to the park staff. And come to find out, we only thought the hunt was scheduled for Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning. After talking to the coordinators of this event this weekend, come to find out, and to our surprise, the hunt was actually going all the way through Sunday until legal shooting hours ended anyway. It was a misprint, and they said the hunt was going to be Saturday afternoon and all day Sunday. So Luke and I extended our reservation one more night, and we decided that we were going to leave super early Monday morning to head back home. I made a phone call to his school and told him he wasn't going to be in school on Monday, which, of course, he did not complain very loudly for that decision. Once we got all checked in, 
paperwork finished and our ticket to put on our windshield to go to our designated campsite, we decided to drive around the park to see where we could have our picnic lunch. This particular park is along the river, so we were at Guadalupe River State Park, and if you're familiar with that part of the Texas Hill Country, it is breathtakingly beautiful. We made our way through the park, and we drove all the way down to the river, and we found a great spot where we could have our lunch right there on the banks of the Guadalupe River. We had a lot of fun, had our picnic lunch, and we were the only ones there. It was a pretty cool feeling knowing that we pretty much had the entire state park to ourselves and we had that entire riverbank to ourselves. There were no crowds, there were no dogs, there were no kids. It was so peaceful. It was a beautiful sunny day. And Luke and I were so grateful to be there and to be able to have the opportunity to spend the weekend together on his hunting opportunity. After a great lunch and lots of pictures, we decided to go back and set up our camp. So we made a reservation at one of our campsites in the park, and we were tent camping. And to me, my definition of tent camping has always been my experience growing up in scouting. You pretty much have a field to pitch your tent. Usually, there's no water and no electricity. You have to pack it all in, do without, you know, bring your lanterns or bring your flashlights, and you just tent camped. So let me tell you something that happened that absolutely changed my life when it comes to tent camping. A dear friend of mine shared with me when her and her husband go camping, They always get a site with electricity and water, and they put their tents up back at the tent pad. And it never dawned on me that we could actually reserve a tent site and camp with electric and water. Changed my life. So I brought my coffee maker, which is a dual hot water maker thing too, so Luke could have his hot chocolate. And I brought my extension cord. And we had electricity and our water spigot was right there next to our tent site. Unbelievable experience. So we set up our camp. It was beautiful. It was a sunny, perfect day. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. It wasn't too windy. It was just a perfect day to camp. We got all that done and we were hanging out at our campsite and Luke decided he wanted to build a campfire. So he, you know, we brought firewood from home and he built the perfect campfire, which of course all of his learned skills through scouting and us growing up camping as well. He had the perfect fire and did a great job tending to it all afternoon. So we definitely brought food from home and we were getting ready to start cooking our dinner and Luke took over and grilled our burgers and we had all kinds of chips and dips and snacks and everything that goes along with the perfect snacky type of a campout weekend. We are able to park at this campsite right there next to where we camped. So another moment that was unheard of in my world of camping was car camping. We had everything we needed right there in our campsite by our vehicle. Not used to that when we're camping out in the wilderness or primitive camping with scouts or with my family. 
it was kind of nice to be able to have my vehicle right there as well. So when we were done eating and snacking, all the food got locked up back in the vehicle. Of course, our camping experience with the boys is always up in the Northwest where there's black bear and even grizzly bear nearby. So it was kind of nice not to have to worry about locating the bear spray and having all of your food completely put away so the bears don't come and raid your camp. But being at state parks, we have to worry about raccoons, but that's a whole different story. So my two life-changing moments on this particular weekend was camping with electricity and car camping. That was pretty cool. So we cooked, we had the rest of our beautiful campfire that evening, we went to bed, and the next morning when we got up, it was time to get ready to do our orientation for the youth hunt. We had a couple hours that morning of downtime because the orientation didn't start till late morning, and we rayos work on rayo time, which means we're usually up by 5, 5.30, 6 at the absolute latest. So we had time to get up and enjoy the nature all around us waking up as well. There were two other families that had rolled in sometime the evening before who also had a young person that was drawn for the same hunt. We met our neighbors and Luke immediately hit it off with a new friend. So Luke's friend came back to our campsite and they started whittling sticks and they were talking about their hunting experiences as they were growing up. And it was just a really cool opportunity for Luke to immediately fall into a new friendship with somebody that grew up just like him and who was very like-minded in their activities and their interests. So I was standing within earshot and I heard Luke's new friend ask Luke, kind of whispering, is your mom a hunter? And Luke looked at him kind of crazy and goes, yeah, why? Your mom doesn't hunt? And the boy said, no, you know, she doesn't like getting outdoors or getting dirty. And, you know, it's my dad who was with him on this particular hunt. He said, my dad's the one that always takes me hunting. And he kept asking Luke questions about, you know, well, does your mom, did she come out here all by herself? And, you know, does she know how to shoot a gun? And can she help you when it's time to hunt? Like, can she help you, you know, tell what animals that were able to shoot or animals that were not able to shoot? And he was asking Luke all these questions about hunting and shooting and, you know, game identification. And Luke said, well, yeah, I mean, she's a hunter and this is what she does. And he, it was so funny to watch Luke try to explain what I do and, you know, how I'm so involved in getting more people outdoors and hunting and shooting to somebody who had no concept of a mom actually camping and especially hunting and shooting. So that was really cool to, to experience that. Hunters are just genuinely nice people. So Luke offered up a spare pocket knife that he had to loan to his new friend to whittle because his friend's pocket knife wasn't the whittling kind, apparently. So Luke was sharing that, his tools and his equipment. And then shortly after that, we were talking with our friend's dad 
And for breakfast, they had cooked up some wild game sausage and made breakfast tacos and they had extra. So they offered us to have some of their game meat for breakfast. So hunters just, you know, we don't even know these people, but they were the nicest people that we could ever stumble upon and be camping neighbors with. Luke immediately hit it off with the young person and the dad was super nice and hunters just share. They share in their experiences, they share in their their equipment and tools, and they share in their meals. So again, we were, you know, talking stories and getting ready to do our orientation. We followed each other over to our meeting up place and once we went through the safety briefing, we were assigned certain blinds across the property. Each of the areas had a designated coordinator, so to speak, that was going to take us to our blinds and get us all comfortable and situated. Well, come to find out, our new friends happened to be in the same location where we were going to be, and they were going to be in the next closest blind to where we were hunting. So kind of a small world. We made friends and we ended up uh, exchanging phone numbers and we all were able to communicate and stay in touch while we were hunting on Saturday afternoon. We sat in our blind for probably six hours. And Luke is one of my kids that can sit in a deer blind all day long. He never complains. He never gets bored. So we were intently looking and intently listening and doing everything we could to pray to the hunting gods that we would see something but nothing came out. Um, Luke did not have any opportunity to take a shot on Saturday afternoon, which was okay, you know, and I, I hate this, but that's why they call it hunting. You hear that all the time for those who come from the field empty-handed, but Luke did not see anything, which was okay. You know, he was able to stay in communication with his new friend, and his new friend was able to shoot an Axis doe and he also shot a whitetail spike buck. So that was really cool. So after our hunt, we all came back to camp and the camp had processing stations set up. That way, the hunters who had a success in the field, they could bring back their animals and they could all work together and process their meat. So when we got back and saw all the activity going on at the processing station, Luke begged me to stop, which of course I was going to do anyway, whether he wanted to or not, but he could not wait to jump out of the truck and to go congratulate all of the other hunters who had success in the field. So the only person that Luke had officially met or formally been introduced to was our camping neighbors who happened to be our hunting blind neighbors as well. He had not met any of the other hunters who were drawn for this weekend's hunt. And there was a total of 12 youth on this weekend. So when we came back by the processing station, there was about six or so young people and their adults, which of course were all dads, who were processing the deer that they had shot. Luke could not wait to jump out of the truck and to run and congratulate each of those hunters. He was talking to them. He asked the hunter, tell me your story. What happened? What did you see? He was all excited of the success of another young hunter. Luke has been fortunate to hunt in the past. He has taken deer and hogs and other game animals 
so he knows the excitement of what it's like to be successful in the field. He wanted to go congratulate and share in that excitement with other hunters just like himself. So that evening when we got back to camp, we pretty much went to bed pretty quickly because it was a hard afternoon sitting in a blind for so many hours and not seeing anything. And to factor on top of that, it was like 84 degrees, which we had not yet had our Texas cold front come through. So it was pretty sticky out there in the deer blind. Um, Deer are just like people. You know, they don't like to be hot and sticky and sweaty. So that could have been a factor why we did not see many animals because where we were located, the blind was pretty much out in the open and the deer would have had to cross a over a field and there really wasn't much shade where we were. So that was one of the reasons I think that we didn't see much activity because it was just too hot. It was too hot and too sticky for them animals to be moving around. So the next morning it was time to do it all over again. So we got up super early. We were up by 4.30 because we had to drive about 45 minutes to get to our location and to get to our blind quietly well before shooting hours began. So our new friends and I, we followed each other back over to our hunting location and we crawled up into our blind and we waited. It was, of course, pitch dark and where we were located, there's no natural light. So it was really cool to be out so far away from the city, out in the fields, out in a deer blind, and just listening to nature starting to wake up before sunup. So long story short, we pretty much sat in our deer blind all the way up until about 11 o'clock in the morning. Still nothing, no animals, no movement. We didn't see a thing. So we were in communication with our hunting coordinator the whole time. And there were some other people that wanted to get out of their blinds and go back to camp. So we made it safe. We had bolts open. Nobody was shooting at this moment. And we had the option of moving to another blind if we wanted to. So we decided that's what we wanted to do. And so one of the hunting coordinators came and escorted us to a different location where we crawled into that blind and we sat from about 11 o'clock in the morning until 30 minutes after sunset, which is the end of legal shooting hours for deer. So again, it was a hard afternoon. We did not see anything, hear anything. You know, Luke did not have an opportunity to shoot anything. But in the end, that was okay. Because these are the life lessons that I learned sitting with my youngest, who's now 12, in a deer blind all weekend on a youth hunt that he was drawn for. The first life lesson that I learned was just to stop and look up. Too many times we are so wrapped up with the hustle of life, whether it's work, family, demands that are pulling us in every direction, especially if you're a mom and know what that feels like to be feeling like you're the only one that is responsible for getting things done. Sometimes you just have to stop and take a break leave all of that stress behind and get outside for a weekend. This was my get outside four days of renewal, I guess, if lack of a better word, uh, reset. And when I say look up, what I mean by that is we were camping under a beautiful Texas sky and living in the city, 
we oftentimes do not get to see stars, especially the kind of stars that you see under a big, beautiful hill country Texas sky. So taking the time to just stop and look up. Too many times we just take this for granted, but when you actually enjoy the night sky, when you're away from the city lights, it's a very refreshing sight. So teaching that to Luke is just to stop and look up. Look at all these stars. You know, of course, there's all kinds of cool apps that you can download on your phone that have the astronomy where you can point your phone at the sky, the night sky, and it shows you which of the stars and the constellations and where they're located. So, of course, sometimes we may have to lean on those resources to help us navigate the night sky. But the point is just looking up and enjoying the beauty of nature when you're outdoors at nighttime. Another life lesson learned was trust your kid. If you raise your kid right, if you raise your kid with good morals and values and ethics and teach them to treat others how they want to be treated, sometimes if you stand back in the shadows and watch them interact with others, you can see their true self emerge. Watching Luke interact with his new friend by loaning him an additional pocket knife and showing him some secrets on how to make the best whittling stick and teaching him some of the ways that he builds a campfire and and ways to keep it burning. Those little tips and tricks that Luke grew up with in the outdoors and camping and having him share that with another friend, that was really cool just to step back and watch him do those um, traits that he was raised to do. Another life lesson that I learned watching Luke is true grit. While we sat in a deer blind on Saturday for about six hours, And on Sunday, we were in a blind for about 13 hours straight. That's hard. Even if you're an experienced hunter and you love to be in a blind and you love to be out hunting, it's hard. It's hard to make sure that you have enough comfortable stuff to get you through those, you know, six or 13 hours in a deer blind, making sure that you have enough food, snacks, and water and making sure that you're as comfortable as you can be while you're sitting there waiting for the perfect animal to walk out. So Luke really exhibited some true grit while we were sitting there over the weekend. As a mom, I am going to do everything I can to give him the best experience that he can have. So in reality, what does that look like? Well, When you crawl yourself into a hunting blind that's about a five by five dimension size and you have two people, adult people, because my kids are big, and you have two camp chairs and two backpacks stuffed with gear and you have your hunting rifle and case and ammunition and food and water and snacks and drinks and everything else. Trying to put all of that into an area and organize yourself where you're still comfortable, safe, and quiet while you're doing it, that can be a challenge. But we did it. So in this particular hunting blind, there was a wooden bench that laid across the width of the blind itself. 
the bench was really too small for two people to sit on. And it really wasn't the best situation for a chair to be in there with the bench. So we had to get creative. So basically what we did was I gave Luke a comfortable camp chair, which he sat in, and we had to elevate his little body up high enough so he could get a good vision through the scope to the where the deer were going to be coming to. And the bench I had pushed against one of the sidewalls of the blind, and I pretty much sat on that bench long ways, wedged up in a corner. I had the gun case behind me to lean on, and I had our backpacks on my lap, and it was just a contortion that I didn't think I could get myself into, especially for that many hours, but you do what you got to do. I was not the most comfortable, but I wanted him to have the best experience. I wanted him to have the elbow room and the leg room and be able to shift around if he had to while I stayed tucked kind of in a corner of the hunting blind out of his way. So we learned through that experience, you know, true grit, because it takes a lot of endurance. It takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of discomfort sometimes pushing yourself out of that comfort zone, whether you're physically comfortable or whether you're, you know, experienced type of comfortable, getting outside of that comfort zone to give your kiddo the best experience that they can have while on a hunt. Another life lesson, and this is more teaching a young person when it comes to hunting, but you don't always have to come home with a trophy whether your trophy is a a big antlered, big horned animal or a trophy of the biggest doe that you can find out there to feed your family for the year, you don't always have to come home with game in the ice chest. Even though we did not see anything to speak of all weekend, Luke was able to see other hunters be successful. And some of them, this was their very first hunt and their very first deer. So Luke was really excited to share in that joy with his new friends that he met over this weekend. When we came back to our camp on Sunday evening, we had one more evening together under the big Texas Hill Country stars. So after we got cleaned up and ready to start another campfire, We enjoyed sitting around, sharing stories about the weekend, and really enjoying the last of our camp out before we had to head back to the city the next morning. So there's so many life lessons to be found and learned when you're out in nature, especially when you're taking a young person out in a hunting blind all weekend. Luke and I had a great time, and I know those days are few and far between when I get to spend four days out in the woods with each of my kids. They grow up too fast, they become too independent, and before you know it, they're going to be out making their own memories with their own kids one day. And I'll have these podcasts to go back and listen to how I used to enjoy it when I was taking my own kids out into the field. There is no better classroom than the outdoors roaming the woods and waters, and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. 
For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at NorthAmericanOutdoors. Have a great day and have a Merry Christmas. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.